Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Passion for the Pastime podcast. Your host, Walter, here. The stage is set. We know the matchups. We have some wild card games about to get underway. October 5th, I'm recording this podcast. We got the Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is doomsday. Uh, the Yankees and Red Sox going at it once again. This storied rivalry in Boston. The Yankees do clinch the playoffs. They do get into the wild card with a win on the final day of the season. Walk-off fashion by Aaron Judge. And so do the Red Sox. The Red Sox got in the same exact way. Not necessarily the same exact way, but they walk off with a Rafael Devers clutch home run in the ninth inning. And the thing that sticks in my head from 162 is the pictures of Vlad Jr. sitting in the dugout watching Devers give the Red Sox their win to get into the postseason we didn't have the chaos. We didn't have the chaos that we we as baseball fans wanted to have happen. Uh, but, you know, hey, that's how it is. These two teams controlled their own destiny, and they got the win when they needed it. But now it's an elimination game on Tuesday. Again, we are recording this on October 5th. Uh, Yankees, Red Sox will go at it tonight. And then the other wild card is set. With the Cardinals, the the red-hot Cardinals, the team that nobody wants to face at this moment in time. The Cardinals make it to the postseason. No one thought that they were going to, but they did. And they're taking on the 106-win wildcard hosting Los Angeles Dodgers because the Giants won in convincing fashion against the San Diego Padres, same as they did back in 2010 when they went on their historic run, had to win against the Padres on 162. They got it done. It wasn't necessarily the same situation, but had to beat the Padres, and they got in, and they won the division for the first time since 2012. 107 wins. And I love it because the fans, they, they know they know what was being said. Even the team knew what was being said about the Giants at the beginning of the year. The Bakota ratings? Who, who? What? What's that? I think they lost all credibility. <laughs> the Giants were 0.02%, okay? 0.02% chance of winning the National League West. I want to say that their projections was 78 wins, but maybe that's uh, even a little bit more generous. Maybe it was 76 or 75. I don't remember exactly. I didn't look it up. Because Bakota who? I mean, they lost credibility. I mean, really? 0.02? Has that ever happened? Uh, 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 a huge underdog in the division just winning it with 107 wins? Literally, they were the first team to clinch a playoff spot. 
and they were the last team to win the division. <laughs> I mean, that is that just tells you how uh, how hard of a race that that was in the NL West, and that's uh, what the Cardinals have in that wild card game in the National League. But to uh, to help us on this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about everything that went down. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Chrissy Ackert, who has been on the podcast before. She covers the New York Yankees for New York Daily News. We're going to be speaking with her, find out what's going on with the Yankees, what uh, started to click for them going down the uh, the stretch to get into October. Because last time we spoke to Christy, it, it was not looking good. I mean, I I asked her the question, are the Yankees going to be sellers at the deadline? Because... It, they were not playing good baseball. It it, it was not, uh, and and I would even say uh, making a wild card is uh, underachieving of what the Yankees anticipated of doing in 2021. So they're in. They have a shot to uh, get this thing rolling. Go into October. They have Judge and Stanton still producing. So we're going to speak with uh, Christy Ackert here in a little bit, and then also. Got a double feature for you guys because we have uh, two wildcard games. We have to cover both of them. We're going to be speaking with Katie Wu coming back onto the podcast. Love having Katie on. We're going to talk with her about the National League wildcard game with the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Um, a lot of people are picking the Dodgers, but hey, you got to pump the brakes. The Cardinals, they won 17 straight in the month of September to get to this point. And I, I think they shocked the entire baseball world when they did that. Uh, so we'll get Katie's reaction. We'll see how she was taking it all in uh, for that historic franchise record, 17 games in a row for the Cardinals to get to this point. You got Wainwright and Scherzer going at it in the National League wildcard game. In the uh, American League wildcard game, you got Garrett Cole. Expectations for him are skyrocketing right now. Garrett Cole versus Nathan Eovaldi. And we do have some breaking news um, going into the AL wildcard game. J.D. Martinez will not be participating. He will not be in the lineup on the roster for the Boston Red Sox uh, as he... Uh, it sounds like a joke. It sounds. It sounds like... Uh, it, it's is not an injury you would expect, but he got injured running into or or not running into, but going into the the outfield to play his position, and he tripped over second base. I mean, that's I guess that's what happens when uh when you're playing DH too much, you forget you forget these things. I I I, I still don't, I still don't know um what happened there, but. Uh, that is the breaking news. J.D. Martinez will not be in that lineup. How much does that affect the outcome of this AL wild card game? Uh, but we got a lot to talk about there coming up here with uh, with Chrissy Ackert, and then we will be speaking with Katie Wu. But before we get into that, let, let's let's just take a year in review, right? The Blue Jays, as we mentioned, did not make it. They won their final game, but they had to wait for the Yankees and the Red Sox to conclude. They had to wait, and the Red Sox were losing. The Red Sox were losing, and the Yankees, it was a scoreless draw at the time that the, uh, that the, that the Blue Jays won their game. 
and they were they were just running away with it. And they didn't make the playoffs. The the Yankees and and Red Sox, as we know, would go on to win their games in dramatic fashion and, and walk off fashion. But the Blue Jays and the Mariners also. Mariners lost on the last day of the season, so it wouldn't have mattered. But when you look at these teams, when you when you're just on the outside looking in, you know, I mean, how, what is the measure of a good season? I would say the Blue Jays had a fantastic season. They didn't get into the postseason as they all play for. They didn't get into it, but I would still say that this season for the Blue Jays and for the Mariners, of that matter, because who thought that the Mariners would be on the brink of 90 wins? Who, who thought that that would be a thing at the beginning? I mean, you want to talk about Pakoda standings. Where, where the hell were the Mariners? At the beginning of the year, <laughs> I don't. I don't think they were second uh, in in the in the AL West. I'll tell you that. One, I, I want to say they were probably below the the Angels. To be honest, with that Pakota standings, go ahead and look those up. Look, look up what the Pakota was for uh for the for the Mariners. It might even have been worse uh for for the Mariners. Maybe they had zero shot of winning the division. They didn't come close to the division, but they did almost get into the wild card. And, again, it's expectations meeting reality, and I know that the expectations shift as the season goes on. And it is a disappointment for Blue Jays fans, for Mariners fans, for the teams, for the front offices, that, that, the, that the Blue Jays and the Mariners, that their respective teams didn't make the postseason. But is it still considered a good season? I would say so. Because the Blue Jays, I mean, they made the postseason last year. It was a shortened season. So, I mean, we don't... At the beginning of this year, in 60 games, the Padres would have been in it. And now they, they finished below 500. Okay? The Cardinals wouldn't have sniffed the postseason had it been a 60-game season. So, you know, the, it, it's, it's kind of hard to gauge success from that 60-game uh, season of 2020. Right? They had to adapt to... The COVID pandemic, I understand that. They got their, their thing done, but the Blue Jays made it to the postseason. But now, in 162, they take it to 162 to the last day of the year, and they were still competing for a wild card spot. That is very impressive. And you look at how they did it. I mean, the home run numbers were just off the page for the Blue Jays. And I would say that it would be a, a success. Some people would say, no, no, it's not a success. They didn't make the postseason. But hell, they, they were damn close. They, they were literally two pitches away <laughs> from potentially fighting for their right to get into October, to get into, into the wild card game. And like I said, we didn't, we didn't have the chaos. I... I was utterly disappointed when, when, when the Yankees and the Red Sox both would win their games um, because the, the Blue Jays wouldn't have one more shot. I felt like they just needed one more shot. But they did play the Yankees a week left to go, and they didn't take care of business. And that's just how baseball goes. So now we are with the Yankees and Red Sox wild card game. The rivalry continues. We remember what happened, right? The last time these these two teams faced off in a in a elimination game. Do we remember? 
How about back in 2003 in the ALCS Game 7? You, you, do we remember what uh, the current Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, do, you, do we remember that walk-off home run? Or take, take it even a, uh, a, a step further. What about 2004 when the, when the Red Sox would go on to finally break and lift the curse of the Bambino? Do we remember that game seven? wasn't a wasn't a lot of drama. It was it was more so the series um, that would set up this stage in game seven. Game seven wasn't really a big dramatic game, but I mean everything that led up to it. Game five with David Ortiz. Remember uh, Joe Buck? We'll see you tomorrow night. Ortiz homer in the bottom of the fourteenth inning. In game five. And then in game six, we remember the bloody sock game when the Red Sox would win. That's a force of game seven. But again, the, the, the Red Sox just had so much momentum, ran away with that. And uh, it wasn't really a contest, but it was the buildup, the, the elimination game factor. It seems that when these two teams face off, it seems that Their players know and understand the moment. And I think that we're going to see something from someone tonight as the AL wildcard game gets underway. And we're going to talk about it here coming up with Chrissy Ackert. She is the beat writer for the New York Yankees for New York Daily News. Coming up next, you're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. Your host, Walter, here. Now, we're going to take a dive into the AL uh, wildcard game. That is the first game taking place on Tuesday. And to help me talk about it is New York beat writer uh, for the Yankees for and uh, New York Daily News, Christy Ackert. Christy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, how are how's Boston treating you so far? I mean, you uh, you're there. the The stage is set. Yankees, Red Sox can't get any better than that. Um, if the rain would go away, it would be fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's um, one of the biggest rivalries right in baseball. And uh, it just seems that every time that these two teams do get together in the playoffs, uh, something special happens, uh, something memorable happens. So we'll see what happens in this wild card. Uh, But before we get into all of that, uh, how happy are you that we didn't have a wild card uh, chaotic Monday? Uh, Incredibly happy. (laughs) Um, our Sunday morning for the traveling writers for the Yankees began with us all getting the Yankee stadium early Sunday morning. So we could take COVID tests so that we could get into Canada if we had to. Um, and, and luckily I was negative actually. Uh, congratulations to the Yankees beat. We got through the whole season without an outbreak. Right. Um, yeah, it just would have been complete chaos and, and hectic. I mean, nobody wants to hear about, you know, the troubles of people who get paid to watch baseball, but we do fly commercial and it's not easy to get flights that quickly to that, you know, that many destinations. Right. It would have been uh, chaotic, even more chaotic for you um, having to go, I mean, at a, at a moment's notice, right? Because 
uh, if it turned out that way, if the Yankees were to lose and the Red Sox were to lose and everyone, uh, the the Mariners and the Blue Jays were to win, it came down to uh, a four-team tie, and it was just, it, it was crazy. I, me as a baseball fan, I was hoping for it, but I know you as a as a beat writer, you uh, you just wanted the Yankees to win, and they they pulled it out, so uh, you didn't have to go through all of that. Yes, it was much easier to just get to Boston. Um, so Chris, Christy, the, the last time that we spoke, uh, was back in July. And at that time we were talking, uh, trade talk, right? We didn't know, uh, what the Yankees were planning on doing at that time. They found themselves seven games back of the division, uh, three and a half games back from the, from the wild card when we spoke and, uh, they weren't, they weren't playing good baseball. I mean, there was very real concern that they, could have fallen out of it. Obviously, in July, uh, you're not going to give up. You got plenty of baseball to uh, to to look at. But it was a it was a disappointment for the New York Yankees up to that point. Uh, but that's the beauty of baseball because you never know what could happen. What really changed for the New York Yankees uh, from that moment up until today, October fifth? Um. Well, I mean, obviously, they made some changes to their roster. Um, you know, they added two left-handed hitters, which has lengthened their lineup. You know, Anthony Rizzo, while he hasn't, you know, had the, you know, dramatic impact on the game, he's a smart hitter. He's a good hitter. Um, and he makes contributions to the team, you know, to that lineup with being a left-handed hitter in front of Aaron Judge um, that I think are, you know, you don't notice him every day, but in the long run, you realize that he's really kind of helped that lineup. They also added Joey Gallo behind, you know, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, so, you know, that changes the lineup when you have a left-handed hitter before the stack of Aaron Judge and Stanton and then another left-handed hitter. You can't, you know, you can't just bring in power, hand, you know, right-handed relievers to face them. You have to think about it a little bit. So... I think, you know, I think that's changed things. Um, their bullpen has has really been solid. Um, and I think you've seen surprising players step into big roles, like Clay Holmes. And, and that was another deadline move. You know, Brian Cashman traded for him from the Pirates, where, he, you know, I don't, I don't even think I knew his name, honestly. <laughs> And he's been lights out. I mean, he is just a solid, you know, power pitcher. Um, and it's, you know, if you look at how the Yankees actually got into this wild card game, Jamison Tyone pitched, you know, I think it's three and two thirds scoreless. And then the bullpen just put together scoreless inning after scoreless inning after scoreless inning, allowing a lineup that just struggles against the Rays to get one run across. I mean, that's pretty much how their whole year has gone. A one-run win scrapes them in. Yeah, and and when you look at the Yankees, um, you know, the, and, and just going into the postseason, a uh, a good bullpen. We know uh, how on the West Coast here in San Francisco, we know how good um, and how valuable that can be to make a World Series run. So uh, it's a it's a pleasant surprise because the Yankees. I mean, they they did they didn't anticipate having a good uh, bullpen this year. So um, th- we'll see how that sets them up with the with the Red Sox. We're talking with Christy Ackert, beat writer for the New York Yankees for New York Daily News. Um, 
tell me a little bit about Bronxy the turtle. I, I started seeing this uh, un- unravel as the Yankees were celebrating their uh, their wild card berth. Uh, what's the story behind that turtle? Honestly, I, it's not something I really dove into. Um, apparently, Nestor Cortez and a few players decided to get a mascot turtle. And they are crediting it with some of their turnarounds this year. Um, though it came after their 13-game winning streak, so I'm not sure how much credit it deserves. Um, they seem to like it. They have T-shirts with it. I think, you know, it's hard for writers right now because we don't go in the clubhouse to see how much of it is true and how much of it isn't. Um, so I'm, I shy away from those things if I can't actually see them with my own eyes. Um you know, like the Pete Alonzo fake hitting coach, you know, skit that they played on the writers earlier this year with the Mets. So I don't really know that much about Bronstein. Okay, well, he he seemed to be living it up in the clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> in, in all the video, they were pouring champagne. Uh, I don't know if turtles can get hang hangovers, but uh, it looked uh, pretty fun in the in the Yankees clubhouse uh, with Bronstein the turtle. It was a funny story, but uh, re- so recently, the, the the Yankees with their with their road to October, um, they recently went to to Fenway and they had to handle business, um, and they and they did. They swept the Red Sox, and actually, they they've won six straight against their rivals. Uh, how much does that play into tonight's game uh, with the wild card game? How much of the regular season transfers over into October baseball? You know, I'm a big believer of the uh, old baseball saying that momentum is as you know long as the next day starter. I don't. I, I mean, they come in with confidence because of that. I mean, that was a very big series for them, mostly because it showed that they could hit and they could beat you know the Red Sox. Who, I mean, if you want to talk about momentum, beat the Yankees for the first seven games of the se- of the season. Um, I I think. You know, the next day starter is the big thing. And you've got Garrett Cole and you've got Nate Evaldi. Uh, the Red Sox have hit Garrett Cole. Um, the Yankees hit Evaldi the last time. So I, I just don't I don't see the edge either way. Uh, we're talking with Christy Ackert of New York Daily News, beat writer for the Yankees, talking about this AL wild card that is about to unravel. Um with with the Yankees, uh, what what do they need to make sure that they execute, or or what is the X factor for the Yankees uh, to come out on top in Boston against the Red Sox? Garrett Cole has to be good. I mean, Garrett Cole has to keep the Red Sox off the board early. I think the difference between the two teams are the Yankees bullpen is much stronger. If he can hand, you know a tie game or a lead to the bullpen, I think the Yankees are in good shape. Um, The problem is he has had a 5.17 ERA in September and a 6.35 ERA since he left the game with hamstring tightness for five starts ago. So, and the Red Sox have, I mean, teed off on him at times this year. So that is how he, how he does that, you know, early on, that's going to be the key. Yeah, Garrett Cole uh, is a huge factor. I mean, this is the this is the reason, this is the moment why uh, why the Yankees signed him, right? Um, but it seems like he's not shying away from the moment. He he seems jacked up 
to uh, in a piece that you wrote. He seems jacked up that that he's uh, going in this matchup tonight. Well, this is why he's here. This is why they gave him three hundred twenty-four million dollars time to earn the paycheck. But I mean, I think Garrett Cole gets that it's more than a paycheck he's pitching for right now. I mean, this is this is legacy stuff, you know. In terms of being a Yankee, it's one thing to be a Yankee. It's another thing to kill the Red Sox as a Yankee, and then you become, you know, part of the history. So, you know, he knows what he's pitching for tonight. I am. He seems very amped up for it. I mean, I would never question Garrett Cole's preparation or desire or any of that. You know, it comes down with every pitcher to their execution, and that's what it's going to be. Now, if if Garrett Cole does struggle, what what is the plan B? Uh, who comes out of that bullpen? Would it be a Luis Severino? How do they plan on using him in the bullpen uh, in this wild card game? Is it all hands on deck? Who would you see as a plan B if Garrett Cole was to get knocked around early? I think in any you know win and go home game, it's all hands on deck. I could see Severino coming in, but remember he's coming off Tommy John, so that's not a long-term answer. Um, you know, you've got Michael King back there who's been tremendous in relief roles, in long relief roles. Um, that could be an answer. They have the arms back there to, to, to accommodate that. You know, the question is, and, and I, you can't even really think about it, is then what do you do in the, the, um, the DF? But they do have the arms to back up Garrett Cole if he gets in trouble early. The problem is the Red Sox can jump on you very quickly and they need to not give him a long leash. Talking with Christy Ackert for New York Daily News, beat writer for the New York Yankees. Uh, Christy, you know, we, we talked a lot about um, the the players that are going to be uh, participating in the AL wild card and the, and the bullpen and, and the lineup. Um, when you look at, I don't know if you've seen this, but right before we came on, uh, JD Martinez, he is not going to be participating yeah. in the wild card. Uh, how much of a factor is that? Like, how much of a blow is that to the Boston Red Sox? And how much are the the Yankees pitchers uh, kind of licking their chops right now? Well, he's he's one of the guys that you know really hits right-handed power. Hit you know powers pitching, so that kind of plays into the Yankees' favor that he's not going to be in there, definitely. So he has struggled against Garrett Cole. So his numbers against Garrett Cole were not good. Um, but, you know, I mean, let's look at it this way, too. The Yankees are also without um, DJ LeMayu. Um, and, you know, Gio Urshela is supposed to play, but I, I question how effective he's going to be after taking a, you know, what looked like a horrendous tumble on Sunday's game into the dugout. But on another point, I think that's another argument against interleague play um, or the National League having the DH because JD Martinez got hurt on one of the silliest things I've ever heard of. Right. <laughs> he, he was uh, he was running to the outfield, right, and, and slipped over over second base. Did I did I read that correctly? Yeah, I guess because he's DH so much, you know, he forgot. So let's <laughs> let's let's get to the universal DH here. Oh man, yeah, that was a that was a weird one. But yeah, going going back to uh, Gio Urshela, I mean, what a play! Uh, channeling his inner Derek Jeter, but uh, a scary moment because he went into that dugout 
no no let up of momentum whatsoever. Uh, you were at the ball ballpark. How how did you see it? You know, I, watching it in real time, I actually stood up in my seat and I remember gasping because I saw, oh my god, he, he's really hurt himself. Um, you know, and I don't usually get that involved in that kind of stuff. It it scared me because he he went in head first, really. Right, right. He slipped and um, I and then you have those moments in those situations. Um, I remember last year, the first day of the workouts in July. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka got hit in the head with a comebacker and you have those moments where everything just goes quiet and I mean it was a packed Yankee Stadium and it just went quiet and you know you, and they just you, you saw the, the team not even the trainers the team doctor was sprinting on the field and I was I was I was very nervous that it was going to be really bad I mean like really scary bad and and the fact that I, I think he only walked away with uh, with bruises, right? I mean, he didn't have anything uh, hurting hurting him after that. No, they say he has a giant bruise on his thigh. He has a cut on his leg, um, but you know, he walked off on his own. He was limping, but he walked off on his own. Came back, played the top of the seventh, took an at bat. Then they said he got stiff, stiff and sore, and they took him out. Yeah, that's uh, that that's real real heart right there for him to go into the dugout, uh, just fly in there like that, make the catch, hold on to it. Uh, I saw Angel Hernandez flew in there too. Uh, he's on <laughs> he's on he's on the NL uh, DS um um umpiring crew for the Giants, so we'll see if he flies into any dugouts. But he he went in after uh, Urshela. But uh, g- glad to see that Urshela is doing okay. Um, is he expected to be a full go in this wild card game? That's what they said yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, hard to believe, but, yeah, I believe he will be. All right, Christy, it's going to be a fun time uh, for the AL wild card game. Um, I, I think you're, you're, we're going to get some memories, as we always do when these two face off in a elimination game. So thank you for coming on, Christy, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. And again, that was Chrissy Ackert, beat writer for the New York Yankees for New York Daily News. Go ahead and give her a follow on Twitter at by Christy Ackert to follow all of the breaking news uh, for the Yankees going into this AL wild card and possibly even beyond if they are able to get past the Boston Red Sox. But we know that this rivalry runs deep. It is going to be a emotionally charged uh, AL wild card game, and I cannot wait for it to get underway. Now coming up next, we are going to switch on over to the National League side of things. We are going to be speaking with uh, Katie Wu, beat writer for The Athletic for the St. Louis Cardinals as they travel to the 106 game winning wild card hosting Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to talk with Katie to see what the Cardinals have going for them going into this wild card game coming up next. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, we are back on the podcast, Passion for the Pastime Podcast, with your host, Walter. Now, we just wrapped up talking about the AL wildcard game with the Yankees and the Red Sox, but now we're going to switch things over, our focus down south to Los Angeles, to the Dodgers taking on the Cardinals. And to help me talk about that is beat writer from The Athletic for the St. Louis Cardinals, Katie Wu, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing this morning? 
I'm great, Wilson. How are you? I am good. I am good. Uh, it has been a morning. It has been a morning. Been re- recording podcasts for uh, probably about an hour now. So it is. <laughs> it is uh, nice. It is going. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is that time of the year. It is October baseball. I I can't uh, say anything else about it. Exactly. No. It's it's understood. It is the most busiest and craziest, but also the most exciting time of the year. So. Oh yeah. How's uh, how's LA treating you so far? It was great. You know, I'm, you know, from the Bay Area, but have lots of friends in L.A., family in L.A., so it was nice to have a, a semi-off day on Monday and see some people. I felt like I haven't been able to do really any kind of social life for the last month with the Cardinals going on this historic winning streak and then clinching, and then there's all these questions about the playoff roster. And so it was nice to have, you know, about six hours to kind of just decompress and see some people that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, Katie, you you went from zero to a hundred, right? Like literally in in the span of two weeks, it just took off in St. Louis. I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into all that because I am just intrigued as to how the heck the Cardinals got into this position. I mean, the last time we spoke, it, it wasn't looking too great. I mean, we were, we were talking uh, right out of the All Star break, and it was like a make or break point of the year for the Cardinals. And I want to say they didn't start off that that uh, second half too well because they started with the Giants or did they start with the Dodgers or was that all in the same week? They started with, I think, the Giants and the Cubs. And, you know, in the second half, they promised a lot of, we're going to play better baseball. We're going to win series. We can feel it. And, you know, they did end up doing that, but it did not start out great. July was a little slow. It was a lot of the same things we saw in the first half. A lot of walks, a lot of inconsistent offense, but they would show marginal signs of improvement. And I think that's all they needed to see was, okay, well, we're doing this a little bit better, so things are going to turn. And they kept believing in that. And it's so funny, no matter who I've talked to, whether it was Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado or Harrison Bader or Adam Wainwright, any of these guys, they all said the same thing was, even when we weren't playing good baseball, even Adam Wainwright called it some of the worst baseball he's ever seen as a Cardinal. And this is a guy who's been in St. Louis for 16 years. That, so he has lots to, to base that off of. They always knew the true talent of the club, and they really believed, and they gave a lot of credit to Mike Schilt and the coaching staff in keeping their core together and, and not getting too high, not getting too low. And they really genuinely believed they would get hot when they needed to. Now, I don't think anyone predicted a 17-game winning streak, um, but that certainly qualifies as getting hot, and they did play their best baseball with their backs were against the wall. They had a 2.8% chance of making the playoffs when they finished a 2-2 and series split against the Dodgers in September, and then they had the Reds, the Padres, and the Mets, and the Brewers all to face next. As you recall, at that point in the time, right. Cardinals were behind the, the Reds and the Padres and tied with the Mets and the, for the National League wildcard second spot. And they just turned on the Jets and they never looked back. Yeah, it's just in, very intriguing how to, how they got. It, it's always fun uh, when you get into the postseason to look back on teams and how they got there. But uh, it's a very unique situation with the Cardinals as to how they got there. Um, they they really came on strong in September. But before Katie, before we get more into this uh this Cardinal talk into the wild card game, um, I I just want to thank you for a piece that you wrote uh at the beginning of September in the Athletic about your grandfather. Um, oh, and, thank and, you. And, and anyone listening, um, you know, uh, please please be sure to check that out on the Athletic, Katie Wu. 
Um, I read it and I am it immediate it immediately made me think of two people in in my life. My uncle, who I still have with me, but he was uh, someone that really brought me into uh, you know my my uh, my baseball consciousness as a kid. Uh, sure. He, he was he was that person for me, uh, as it seems that your your grandfather was for you, right? And um, I'm I'm lucky enough to still to still have him in my life. But it also made me think of my grandma who passed away uh, in 2010 in the World Series run uh, for the Giants, and she was just like the biggest. I wouldn't even say biggest Giants fan, but she did it for me more so uh, to like right. strike a conversation and. She would be reading the newspaper in the morning when I would come down to go, go go to school, and she would talk to me about the box score and and how the Giants did the night before. And when I would go to games in the East Bay, uh, it would it would take a while, like to get home after a seven o'clock start. I'd get home at, at around maybe eleven, and she'd be up and she would talk to me about the game, and it, it just made me think of her. And uh, you know, I, again, I just wanted to thank you for for uh, for bringing those memories back to life for sure. Well, thank you. And that's, that's wonderful to hear that story. I think that's what makes this time of year so special is because baseball is so intertwined in our, in our everyday lives and the people that we love and we share it with. And I think that's what makes moments that we see in September and leading into October and in the postseason even more magnified because you can share that personal connection with someone. And I think that's what makes baseball really great. Yeah. And, and are you are you watching that uh, that AL wild card game with, with, uh, with a little bit more uh, uh, enthusiasm with the Red Sox? I I will try to check in, but the Cardinals have a workout this afternoon at the exact same time. So I will be uh, checking the box for it, definitely. Definitely, definitely. We're talking with Katie Wu here from The Athletic, beat writer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, let's get into this uh, this wild card game, and and mainly um, because of the the 17 games in a row. I mean, what, what finally clicked for the Cardinals? I mean, it literally looked like they just flipped a switch, and they turned into this this uh, home run hitting team, what, what happened? What changed? The biggest thing for me in September was watching the way that the Cardinals would win because, you know, their defense historically has always been good over the last decade or so. The Cardinals had one of the best defensive teams in baseball at the end of the regular season. They led the majors with the most defensive run saved. I believe it was at 83. Their defense is elite. That's what happens when you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato at the corners. When you have Yadier Molina behind the plate, when you have Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, a 2020 Gold Glove Award winner. Harrison Bader looks to be hopefully a 2021 Gold Glove winner. This defense has always been good. Their base running has always been good. They are aggressive but smart. They will take an extra 90 feet on you if you're not careful. If your cutoff throw, if you're the, the opposing team is not 100% on the line, they are running on you. But for me, it was a combination of everything working at once. They weren't reliant on their defense. They weren't reliant on their base running. They weren't reliant on the home runs, although they certainly hit a lot of them. They weren't reliant on solid starting pitching or just having a good bullpen. They were reliant on their entire team as a product because we've seen all year long flashes of the, the bullpen being good, especially with the additions of TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia. We've seen flashes of the starting rotation having the durability. And who would have thought it would have been boosted by John Lester and Jay Happ? But I think those two pitchers deserve all the credit for coming into a new organization, completely changing who they were as pitchers, becoming pitch to contact guys and trusting the defense behind them and then turning their, their seasons around immediately. We saw what the rotation looked like even without Jack Flaherty for the majority of the year. That's not something the Cardinals ever pictured, but we saw in flashes it could be good. And we saw the potential that the offense had with their durability, their versatility. I mean, they can hit home runs or they can do uh, situational hitting. They can play some small ball. The Cardinals fans know that as whitey ball. 
uh, it just all worked at one time. Then they did exactly what they said. They just got hot, and there's no mathematical reasoning or explanation behind it, except when their backs are against the wall, I think they realized, we're not going home. We're a good team. We got to turn the Jets on. We got we to gotta figure this out. We got to put this entire product together instead of these small pieces we've shown, because we don't have a choice. Because if we don't, I believe it was Nolan Arnado who said late in August, if we don't turn it around, we're simply going to run out of games. And I think they realized that, and they turned it around, and, and now they uh, are headed to the wildcard game in Los Angeles. It's been quite the turn of events. Yeah, and, and, and that's to sum it up, I mean, that's baseball. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's the beauty of 162 uh, that you don't get in a 60-game season, right? I mean, it, that is just uh, amazing how they got to this point. Uh, you mentioned Tyler O'Neill, uh, a big difference maker. He won the, uh, the Player of the Month in September. Um, would you say that he's more important to the lineup or even more dangerous at this moment in time than uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt? You know, I think putting Tyler O'Neill in between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato has made the three very dangerous. This is a Tyler O'Neill coming into this season. The Cardinals organization always believes he could be a 40-40 kind of guy. His defense is elite. Like I mentioned, he's Gold Glover in 2020. But they really stress that Tyler could be very successful as a hitter if he fixed a few things, like refined his plate approach, cut down his chase rate, and got better at identifying pitches that were his to hit, instead of being so hack-happy that we saw in 2019 and 2020 when he had a pretty alarming strikeout rate. And to Tyler's credit and to the hitting coach's credit in St. Louis, they worked on that consistently, and Tyler's been able to make the change. Now, what we've seen is still a pretty high chase rate, but it's on pitches in the zone. They're on pitches that he thinks he can do damage with. We've seen him slug out over 30 home runs this year. And I've asked him, you know, how do you think batting between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado has helped you? And he says, well, I'm certainly seeing a lot better pitches to hit. But sooner or later, Cardinal or opposing pitchers that face the Cardinals aren't going to have a choice. They're going to have to pitch to Paul Goldschmidt because they don't want to get to Tyler O'Neill, or they're going to have to pitch to Tyler O'Neill because they don't want to get to Nolan Arenado. So I think that the tandem, the trio of those three are really dangerous and it sets the tone for the rest of the lineup. You have guys like Harrison Bayer, who's having a breakout offensive year as well in the bottom part of the lineup that can bring a spark there too. Dylan Carlson has caught on fire as of late, the rookie out of Elk Grove high school. This whole lineup, Tommy Edmond, I think what Tommy Edmond has been able to do in the leadoff spot has also been very underrated. This whole lineup is clicking at the right time, but a lot of it has to do with Tyler O'Neill, who's without a doubt one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now and is looking to make a big name for himself in October. We're talking with Katie Wu here of the Athletic Beat Writer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, you mentioned Harrison Bader. How impressed have you been with Harrison Bader, uh, not only with the glove, but, but also with the bat this year? You know, Harrison, he missed most of the first half with a couple of injuries, but he was very honest as I was getting to know him this year, especially in the second half. He's always believed in his potential. He knows he's a fantastic defender, but he went into the offseason with a strict emphasis on turning his results around against right-handers, against breaking balls especially. You know, he said to me, anyone can hit a fastball. Anyone can square that up. But to be a good hitter, you have to be able to do damage on the breaking ball. And that's what we've been able to see is an entirely different Harrison Bader at the plate. This is a guy who goes up there with confidence in what he's doing, knows what he's looking for, knows what pitches to hit. His chase rate down tremendously. He's just been a more complete product because this is 2021 was going to be a big telling year for him. And he lost a lot of time due to injuries. And I think he thought, you know what? Hey, I know I can be a complete player. I don't have to be just a stellar defensive player that can't hit for average. I can do both things and I can bring a little pop and I can bring a little swagger with the team as well. 
and he's been able to do that. I think that Harrison deserves all the credit for going out and making the changes and working really hard in the offseason and not letting the injuries that he suffered in the first half deter him from what has been a breakout second half season. And the energy that he brings with ball club is just infectious. He's like, when talking to players on this team, they'll be the first to say that Harrison is like the first teammate out there piping or pop, you know, hyping guys up. He's out there leading the high five lines. He's always in the dugout doing some sort of, I don't know, it's some sort of like crazy, authentic, genuinely cares reaction. And I think that's what sets Harrison apart even more is he's now a guy that sees himself as a critical part in this Cardinals team and is playing like it. Yeah, and that's something that you could say about the the Cardinals team is that they have so many people that contribute. When you look at the Giants, I mean, they have so many players uh, that contribute to their their success this year. And I think the same could be said, especially for the Cardinals right now at this moment. Uh, and I think for that reason, you have so many people that can hurt you in the lineup, in the bullpen, uh, starting rotation. Uh, I think for that reason this isn't a team that anyone wants to face in October right now. And that, and I believe that that includes the Dodgers. So uh, with all that being said, with the lineup, the, the bullpen, uh, the starting rotation, what, what would you say is the biggest strength of the Cardinals right now as they enter into this wild card game? I still think it's their defense. I think that they're going to rely on, I mean, Adam Wainwright has been incredible in his 40 year old season, but we're seeing an Adam Wainwright versus Max Scherzer, two of the fiercest, not just competitive pitchers, in baseball, but players, and it doesn't just span in one generation, it spans multiple. So I think if you're looking for pitching and you're looking for an aggressive, competitive, no-giving-in matchup, especially with a 5 o'clock star time in L.A. where those shadows are going to be a little hard for offense, that's what you want. But I think the Cardinals will be relying on their defense because this Cardinals defense does not give away anything. You want a base hit, you have to earn it. You have to earn it. You want to hit a home run, you better make sure it's clear over uh, home run robbing range because they will take it back. They're not going to give you anything on the bases. Yadier Molina is going to do everything he can to throw you out. And if he can't, they're going to pick you off. They, this defense, is it's just it's hard to overstate how critical they've been to this team's success because defense is often overlooked. I mean, everyone wants the home run or the big strikeout or the, the robbing play every now and then. But the Cardinals just play strong, fundamental defense. And I think if they're going to win, Obviously, everything has to go right for a team as potent as the Dodgers, but their defense is going to play a huge part in it. You know, you, you mentioned Adam Wainwright. Uh, can, can you tell me how how he is still doing this at, at 40 years old? How has he remained so effective, uh, especially this year down the stretch? Well, my answer would be, um, I don't know, because I've asked him this question all the time. But if I, if I really had to, like, all jokes aside, pinpoint something, Adam's been very honest about how lifestyle changed a couple of years ago when he thought he was going to get forced out of the game because he wasn't healthy, he wasn't contributing, and if you ask him, he'll say he straight up sucks. Um, he changed his whole diet, he changed his exercise regime, he started taking care of himself and, and really valuing recovery time. And also, Adam is, is no stranger. He likes being counted out. He likes the, um, oh, he's 40 years old, he can't do that. Or, oh, no, there's no way, he doesn't have a high-velocity fastball, he can't pitch in today's game. He likes the negativity. He likes abilities that or people that, and personalities that doubt him. He fuels himself off of that. So when he came into 2021 with as the third guy slated on their rotation and then quickly became the first due to injuries, everyone was saying there's no way he can carry this team. There's no way. How does his stuff play at this level of the game at this time of the way that the game is trending? It won't. He can do this forever. And Adam Wainwright said, yes, I can. Uh, and I think he'll definitely get some, some Cy Young votes. He obviously won't win in a National League that is 
filled with with arms that you know there's no clear winner um but there he has shown no sign of slowing down and um, i think he's welcoming all of the doubt that comes after you know after he just did this incredible 2021 season the next thing people are going to say is there's no way he can keep it up for 2022 he just signed an extension with the cardinals for one more year and he's saying yes i can so that, that's been, I think, the, the most fun thing to see about Adam Wayne, right, is his ability to, and how he fuels himself to go out there and prove doubters wrong. And, and I think that that is uh, an embodiment of the entire Cardinals team. When, right when you count them out, they, uh, they show up and, and, uh, and defy the odds. So that's the, that's the Cardinal motto, it seems like. Uh, Adam Wainwright is, is, uh, is taking that on full, full head of steam. We're talking with Katie Wu, beat writer for The Athletic for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, I want to look at the other side of it with uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, he's also a, a Cy Young uh, a con- contender, a candidate. The Cardinals have a primarily right-handed lineup going against the right-handed Max Scherzer. Uh, do you put this at a disadvantage, or how, how do the Cardinals do? How do they fare against righties this season? You know, it's interesting. I know that the Cardinals really play when on the pitching side. They like to play the splits, um, but they don't. they really don't have a a very uh, heavy left-handed lineup. I mean, Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson can switch hit. Um, but Max Scherzer pretty much stifled these Cardinals in, in, uh, in St. Louis last month. I think he threw one run of, or eight innings of one run ball, and they had no answer for him. So it'll be tough. I don't think anyone is going into this game expecting much offense from these two starting pitchers. And, you know, as I say, that'll probably be an offensive blowout, because that's just how baseball works. <laughs> But if we're, if we're looking at how the stats compare and how history has for these for this team against Max Scherzer, you know, Scherzer's had their number for quite a bit. However, at the same time, Scherzer's last two starts haven't looked as encouraging as the Dodgers would have liked. Then again, if you ask Adam Wainwright, he'll say his last two starts haven't been as encouraging as he liked either. So, you know, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to rely on the Cardinals going and having a really fine plate approach identifying pitches that are only in the strike zone, pitches that they think they can do damage with, and swinging and hitting at heart. And it sounds simple. It sounds like there's no way that can be a major league hitting philosophy, but that's what they have relied on over the last month or so. And the success has been pretty good. So I would expect to see a lot of situational hitting, a lot of small ball, and then a hit for you know an extra bases if the situation allows. But there's no secret that the Cardinals are going to have to be very, very selective on what pitches they swing out against Max Scherzer. It sounds like we are in store for a great matchup in the wild card game, the National League wild card game. But uh, Katie, before I let you go, uh, injury news with the Dodgers anyway. Uh, Max Muncie, it looks like he may not be playing. I'm not sure if he's already officially ruled out, um, but it looks like he may not be in this matchup. How much of a blow is that to the Dodgers lineup? Obviously, it's a huge one. Anytime that you are missing one of your key players, especially in a one-game winner-go-home scenario, it's not likely. However, for Cardinals fans, I know this is exciting, and maybe even the casual baseball fan, it could set up, potentially, Albert Pujols starting at first base against his former club, against Adam Wainwright. Um, you know, we'll see. But obviously, there, it's very hard to replace someone like Max Muncie in that lineup. That injury was gruesome. You never want to see that. You never want to see any player get hurt, especially right now with so much on the line. But the Dodgers have built their roster with a lot of flexibility, a lot of options. And um, if there's one thing that Dave Roberts has shown is that he's not afraid to use those options to his advantage. So obviously a huge blow without Max Muncy, but the Dodgers are well-equipped to handle these kinds of injuries. 
And with Albert Pujols, I mean, isn't it just funny how how baseball just writes these storylines for themselves? I mean, <laughs> man, it really does. Yeah, really that, does. That's going to be really fun uh, for the Cardinals fans. We're going to be a really fun. Uh, I was going to say series, a really fun elimination game. Katie, thank you for coming yeah, on. God. Really appreciate it. Um, and and enjoy LA. Okay. Awesome, Walter. Thanks so much. And again, that was Katie Wu, beat writer for the St. Louis Cardinals for The Athletic. Go ahead and give her a follow on Twitter, at Katie J. Wu, to get all of your up-to-date news on the National League wildcard game between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The 106-game wildcard hosting Los Angeles Dodgers. Got to throw that in there one more time. But I hope you guys enjoyed these conversations with Katie. I want to thank Katie for coming on. I want to thank uh, Christy Ackert for coming on, talking some Yankee ball. It's going to be fun. The wild card game, the stage is set. We have a lot of baseball. October baseball starts now, and I cannot wait to get into the divisional series where we got a lot of uh, of matchups waiting in the wings. When you look at the, the divisional series, we have the uh, wild card winner, We'll be facing off the Tampa Bay Rays. So it'll be the Yankees and the Red Sox against the Tampa Bay Rays. That begins on Thursday. And the White Sox against the Houston Astros. That begins on Thursday as well. And then when you look at the NLDS um, on Friday, the Atlanta Braves will be taking on the Milwaukee Brewers history there between the two clubs. That's going to be exciting. And then the winner of this wild card game that we just finished talking about with Katie Wu, the Cardinals. And the Dodgers will be taking on your San Francisco Giants, your 107-win National League West Division champions, San Francisco Giants. So it's going to be a fun, packed, filled uh, week of baseball. October baseball is finally here, and I cannot wait, as I'm sure most of you are excited as well. So again, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed all these conversations that I had with Katie and Christy. I sure did. Again, want to thank them as well. You guys, we're going to have more of this. We're going to have more of this. We are just getting started in October, and I am all in for it. So you guys have a good one. Be safe, and I will talk to you next time.